Lord have mercy, ladies and gentlemen, season three of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Gregory Stephen Cock Esquire, is at hand. We got a bunch of great guests lined up once again. We'll be talking some guitar. I'm sure we'll talk about food. I'm sure we'll talk about hilarity. That's just what's going to happen. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. What the heck, ladies and gentlemen? We meet again this week on Chewing the Gristle, a magnificent guitar player, Nathaniel Murphy. You may have seen him online doing some demos for Chicago Music Exchange, but if you follow him on Instagram, he posts some of the most amazing solo guitar things I've ever seen or heard. Looking forward to having this chat, ladies and gentlemen, Nathaniel Murphy. Come on, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time once again for another delicious episode of Chewing the Gristle with yours truly, Greg Koch. We have an amazing musician and a hell of a nice fella in the house today. Well, in his house that we're visiting virtually, Nathaniel Murphy, guitar player extraordinaire. You've seen him on a gajillion videos for Chicago Music Exchange, but his solo performances that he does that he posts on Instagram and on YouTube just scald brains the world over. Perhaps even the aliens are checking these things out and going, this is an example of why we don't destroy them all, is what the aliens say. So uh, thank you, Nathaniel, for your service to for humankind. <laughs> Uh-oh, you disappeared. That's all right. I, I thought after my glowing in, uh, introduction that you said, I just can't take it. I'm out of here. I, can't. <laughs> I thought you were like me that can't stand positive reinforcement and you ran for the hills. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My phone, oh my God, sorry, that was embarrassing. My phone got, just went crazy there for a moment. Anyways, I was intimating that you've you've saved the human race because as the aliens contemplated getting rid of all of us, they saw a couple of your videos and said, you know, maybe they're not so bad after all. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what to say. That's uh, crazy. Coming from you, of course, as as you know, I'm a huge, huge fan of yours. So this is, this is a huge honor for me to be on here with you, you know. Well, likewise, my friend. Thank you so much. So let's let's get to the bottom of where did this stuff come from? I mean, when you post these things, I mean, you have your amazing, amazing original compositions, but your ultra creative reinterpretations of like you know classic tunes that everyone knows are just so cool. Oh, thank you. Uh, and they're different from. I mean, there are other people that I know, and there's you know there's a million different ways to to go about it, but. Yours are, are 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 quirkier and fun, more fun to me because they employ, um, you know, get one neck will have a capo on it, and you're doing some tapping, you're doing a little bit of this, that, and the next thing. Very, very creative approach to this stuff. So, what what was the idea? Where did it just kind of kind of morphed into it after a period of time? Or yeah, I mean, so essentially, and, and thank you by the way, it's very kind. Um, I don't know. I'd, obviously, I just didn't I really enjoy trying to interpret songs. Um, and I, I don't really sing, you know, I'm, I'm not much of a singer. Um, so I enjoyed the idea of trying to make it more entertaining for someone who might be listening, but also for myself, you know? Um, so I'd like to, I remember seeing like Tuck Andrus a few years ago doing a version of Man in a Mirror. And I was like, I, you know, I didn't know you could do that, you know, doing all the parts and making it musical. They had the groove, had everything going on. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed that. And that was, that kind of hit me, and then you see other people doing it. But in terms of like arranging songs, um, 
I mean, it can be hit and miss. You know, there's times where it doesn't work. There's there's lots of things on the cotton room floor that will never be seen that I've tried. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of that. Um, but yeah, it, it depends kind of how far you want to go with a range of the song. Do you want to keep it as true to the original as possible? Do you want to, you know, change it up, make it your own? It's entirely up to you. I I personally like nine times out of ten, I like to you know keep it to the original. And again, it depends how far you want to go. Do you want to do exactly the baseline? Do you exactly want to do this, do this? Uh, like for example, I did I did a, an arrangement of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds uh, a few years back. Right. And obviously, so I'm using a double neck, one of Rick Nielsen's double neck, an incredible guitar. Um, and obviously, it looks a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I'll admit that it looks a bit like well, what's going on here, but I wanted to try and you know emulate it as best as I could. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Well, it's amazing stuff. And I remember years ago, I was um, oh, this is going back 20 years probably, but uh, I was someplace at a trade show somewhere, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, I, I heard Ben Lacey play, and yeah. uh, I, I was going by and he, and he did a version of a, a Stevie Wonder tune. And and he was able to do all the parts, even the little horn parts and all that kind of stuff. And you do that stuff as well, but what the way you do it, it's it's like it comes out of nowhere and, and unexpectedly. You know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like oh, here's a harmonic thing that you thought would just be like another like just guitar-y. You know what I mean? It's just really creative and cool. So oh, good you. on you. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Ben Lacey fan as well. I mean, I remember seeing him doing a version of "I Wish." And right, exactly. It, That's the tune I saw. Yeah, because yeah. I'd, I'd seen Took Andrews do it, and I seen Ben Lacey do it. And I thought this is mind blowing, you know. So I remember kind of being at home, you know, having YouTube, and this was before you could slow it down. I believe, you know, you know, how you get yeah. So before that, and I'm pausing it, going back, and obviously it's great because you can visually see what he's doing. It doesn't make it that much easier though to be all honest. Uh, but yeah, I, I used to love doing that. I did it with. Your stuff, I did it with Ben Lacey, you know. Um, but yeah, he, he's 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 a huge influence as well. Yeah, because you know, of course, kind of the uh, you know the iconic individuals that were the first ones to really do is, like, of course, Chet Atkins. You know, Chet would take a pop song of the day and and do all the parts at once in his way. And 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 I remember when I first started messing around with those tunes, it was just mind blowing. And then, of course, you know, Lenny Bro was kind of the one that took what Chet and Merle Travis and Jerry Reed did and, you know, added the cascading harmonics and so on and so forth. And then, you know, Tommy Emmanuel comes along and, and kind of takes it a step further and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, but so it, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where, as you said, it's gratifying just to sit by yourself and be able to sound like there's a band as opposed to like early on, I don't know about yourself, but early on for me, um, I had to play with a band because that was my thing. You know, I, I have all my rhythm oriented stuff was predicated on playing with a rhythm section. Certainly all the lead stuff was predicated on playing with a band and accompanying like lead accompaniment. Um, and at some point, you know, I always kind of use the example of like Doyle Dykes. I saw Doyle Dykes at a, uh, at a guitar center thing out in California years ago that my band was playing in one room doing a Fender thing and he was doing the solo thing. And I went in and I saw him doing it. And he was doing like a blues thing where he was, you know, doing the rhythm and then playing a lead on top of it. I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool to just be able to sit down and just play by your lonesome and have it sound full? And um, 
and and it's it's just a cool way of going about. Not easy, as you mentioned. I mean, it really takes some slowing down and and working out like you know measures, sometimes beats at a time, just so you can do it in tempo before you speed it up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but I was I was literally last night I was watching Oscar Peterson. Uh, I absolutely love Oscar Peterson. Incredible. And I'm, I'm looking at obviously there's a lot going on, and I think like I wonder. Like in comparison to piano players, what's how easy is it to coordinate? Do you know what I mean? Because I think it's quite difficult for us guitarists, and obviously it's difficult for pianists. But I have no idea what's going on in their mind when they're playing. But for us as guitarists to do that kind of thing, it's quite hard, you know, to to do all the kind of parts at once. You know, and I don't know. It just got me thinking last night. You know, trying to. Uh, do everything all going up, going on at once. Because I've got the idea of uh, I'd love to do a version of the chicken. Um, you know, get that right. bass going. Exactly. You know, and that's obviously with all the syncopation, that's going to be a nightmare. Um, but I love the challenge of doing that. Whether I pull it off or not, I don't know. It might take me a while. But uh, yeah, I love doing that stuff. But I mean, going back to what you were saying about with bands. I mean, obviously, I've been in bands uh, growing up in Manchester and that. Uh, but if, if I was in a band setting, I mean, just to clarify, I would never do all of the, you know, all that stuff. It just would make no sense whatsoever. And it'd be a lot easier for me, which would be great. You know, I would have right, to right. do it, <laughs> But yeah. Um, yeah, I love doing that stuff. But I mean, I, I love doing, you know, trying to shred and, you know, sing. I, I love blues and, you know, just regular guitar playing. With right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love all everything guitar. So, so describe. You know what I'm also amazed at is that you're like a, a, a soccer deity. That's how you ended up in Chicago. Am I right? That's how I ended up in Chicago. Yeah, I was a I was a soccer coach for the past nine and a half, ten years. Um, that's how I came to America. A mate of mine moved over here, um, and he said, "Oh, you know, I could get you a job over here coaching football." And at the time, I was in Manchester teaching guitar, and um, you know it's, it was all right. But I thought, you know, I'd love to try America for a year or, or so, and I ended up doing that. And obviously, the intention was always to do something with the guitar, and some sort of practice. That's my main uh, love. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been doing. I was doing it for the past nine years. Coaching, coaching Crazy. Stuff. Yeah. And what and what team were you? Was it a, a, a an area team that you were doing, or what, what kind of coaching was it? Yeah, it, it was just like travel soccer. So it'd be anything from like U seven up to like U eighteen. You know, so I'd be out in the suburbs uh, for five years with one team, and then I was here on the lakefront in Chicago uh, for another four years, four and a half years. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. That's crazy. Well, obviously, so did you play a lot when you were younger? Did you play? Obviously, you played a lot of soccer. At what level did you end up playing soccer at when you were a, a lad? Well, I mean, I never played at any particularly high level. Or anything. It's just the only sport that I played. And it's the only thing that you know a lot of uh, kind of kids play uh, in England growing up. It's the vast majority, I would say. Um, right. and obviously, that's the only thing you'd play. So you'd. You, know, you get used to playing it. I mean, I'm, I'm not a superstar, don't get me wrong, apart from it. Uh, but it's the only sport I played. It's the only sport a lot of my mates played. Um, and, you know, I, I got interested in coaching it, and that's kind of how I ended up over here, you know. So describe for us how you got into guitar and 
you know, you're over in Manchester doing your thing. What was your first kind of impetus into wanting to play and all that kind of stuff? Well, you know, funnily enough, I, I always wanted to be a drummer. Um, and but we we couldn't afford a drum kit. There was no room for it, you know. So it never happened. Now I always had an interest in music. Um, I mean, there was always music on in my house growing up. Always, uh, it, you know, it, there was a stereo. I think in every room of the house. Um, so there's always music going on. I wanted to be a drummer. I remember pots and pans, and I was always banging and tapping beats and stuff. But you know, I knew it was never going to happen. Uh, and so I thought, you know, why not try guitar? You know, and. Uh, you know, luckily it's the best decision I ever did. My granny bought my first guitar. She, uh, I told her one day, oh yeah, I'm going to start learning gu- uh, learning a guitar. And a week later, I get a, a letter from Ireland. This is my granny in Ireland. She sends me a letter with fifty pound in it. Here, go get your guitar and enjoy it. And you know, here we are, many years later. Um, but yeah, I, I, I always remember there was always music on in the house. I remember specifically, my mom had it was a Chuck Berry uh, double cassette, and I've, I've always been a huge fan of Chuck Berry. Um, it was like yellow and red. And I remember like Maybelline coming on. And I was like, I, I didn't know anything about tone of guitars or anything, but I thought, that sounds awesome, you know? It's so good. And then the solo. This is, you know, I've never heard anything like that. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, Chuck Berry, there's, there's like Buck Owens on in the house. There's, there's all sorts going on, you know. So a lot of musical kind of, it was just a lot of music that I could hear going on. And, you know, thankfully I'm, I'm, I've been trying to absorb it. Yeah. And so when you started playing, what kind of stuff were you learning initially? Now, initially, I mean, I, I, Growing up in Manchester in the 90s, uh, in the same area of Manchester as Oasis, you know, so you can't help but uh, be influenced by that. You know, all my mates at the time, we were listening to it. Um, so I was playing a lot of Oasis songs, I still do, you know, a huge influence on me, Oasis. Uh, but Oasis, Stone Roses, kind of indie kind of stuff. Uh, and then from there, I kind of, I got into Led Zeppelin. Now, Jimmy Page is probably my biggest influence. You know, I got obsessed with Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin. Um, and then from there, you just discover blues, you know, the old, older kind of blues. So I got into like Robert Johnson and, and Booker White and, you know, whoever else. And then from there, you start to kind of delve into the jazz and then bebop, you know. So it's, it's, it's a strange timeline how it's gone. It's gone from like pop indie, classic rock, blues, jazz, you know, uh, which I love, you know, it's not, you know. But that's not, you know, that's not that unusual. Although, you know, what's, what it's, what's it, I mean, it's not unusual for someone who's on the quest, shall I say, because it, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of make the, um, you know, I try not to get too salty about it, not salty, but just not too sarcastic about it. I, I should say is that, you know, with all the information that's available now, it's, it's more than ever before. I mean, from, you know, you're, you're quite a bit younger than I am. And then, you know, compared to when you were young versus compared to when I was young, compared to now, I mean, it's like anything of like, boy, I wonder what that guy sounds like, you know, because we'd hear names, right? And then now it's instantaneous. Well, now we can sound, now we can know everything about that person. We can hear his entire discography or he or she or whoever it is. And uh, and you have immediate access to that music. And then you can, re- oh, well, and then get more names. Oh, well, now I've read this biography, and that person's into this person, and immediately you can go into that that search. But even having said that, it's it's amazing how people don't take advantage of that and do any kind of homework. Whereas, 
that that really is where you know all the nuanced stuff comes from it's from doing the homework and doing the quest you know as you well know so it, it's um i mean for me it was kind of similar to you know, I was into Hendrix and I was into Creamier or Clapton. And I read about those even before I was playing, I was obsessed with those guys. And I read into who they were into. You know, I was like, well, who's this Muddy? I kept seeing this name, Muddy Waters and Holland Wolf. And of course, BB King and Albert King and Freddie King and Hubert Summer and all these guys. And and then you just kind of go on the quest. Well, who are these guys? And then, well, who were they influenced by? And then I heard Albert Lee. And I'm like, well, what, what is this guy? You know, he was playing with Clapton. It's like, what is this sound? You know, that's not the blues scale. And then it was like, well, you know, Jerry Reed and and Jimmy Bryant and 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 uh, James Burton. And then you and then you just kind of go from there. But um it, it's not it's not unusual to kind of be influenced by the contemporary version and then just keep on going back. Uh, that I mean, unfor- I mean, not unfortunately, but I mean, I I listen to old stuff ninety nine percent of the time. Same with me. Honestly, I was, I was listening to Clapton all morning. Clapton, huge. You know, funnily enough, I think that the first album that I ever bought. Now, as I said, I, I, there was a huge, you know, there was a throw of music at home, so I didn't really need to buy much. But I think the first album I ever bought was Clapton Unplugged. Yeah, first one, and I absolutely love it. You know, still to this day, you know, it was a huge influence on me. You know, trying to, I mean, I, I remember trying to figure out "Walking Blues" on that album. I, I, I'd say I was probably about fourteen at the time. Fourteen. I didn't know about open tunings at this point. I've bought a slide, and I've tried to figure it out in in open tuning, and I'm thinking. So I've did it. I've done it, but I'm thinking this. It still isn't quite right. You know, there's something not wrong, not right. And then I remember reading about um, Traveling Riverside Blues, the, the Zeppelin version, and it was like, "Oh, tune your guitar to Open G." I was like, "What? What's going on here? You know, what? What is this?" Then you do it. And it's like you strum it and think, "Oh, that's kind of cool." And then it says, "Right, slide up to the 12. It's like, "Oh shit, that's it. There it is." You know, it's one of those kind of eureka moments. And then you know, but yeah, it's it's, it's like you said, the the, the kind of quests. The quest is a noble one. <laughs> still, still doing it. Still doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. I, I'll go on these little, you know, um, quest things. Like the other the other day, I some you know, it, I'll find like a YouTube channel that some you know fanatical person of you know whether it be Hendrix or old Zeppelin bootlegs or or uh, uh, the Who or Cream or whatever the case may be. Um, but this guy has been posting all of these old records by like all these Chicago blues guys that were kind of under the radar, but mostly, but mostly guitar guys. And, um, and so I'm listening to stuff and it's just fascinating. So I'm like, Oh, well, who's this? And I'll go on my walk and I'll listen to it. And it's just a never ending source of, of delight. And then the other thing was the other days, like I was, I was telling the story the other day about how. You know, my, my wife drives, uh, uh, she drives the Subaru and I usually drive the van and in the Subaru, there's an old CD C player, but my wife never listens to the CD player. She listens to the radio. So when I go into her car, I don't want to listen to the CD or I don't want to listen to the radio. So I put on the CD player and the only CD I have in that car, which I've had for years is that Eric Clapton record, just one night, which is the one that first introduced me to, uh, Albert Lee when I had the vinyl years ago. And I was listening to that and I was like, you know, Clapton had a thing in that particular period of time, and I think it was in no small 
way was it, um, you know, I, I think the influence of Knopfler was there. I mean, obviously Clapton had been playing strats in the two position, you know, ever since his first solo record and stuff like that. But in this particular era, he, you know, Clapton's sound was pretty clean and almost exclusively in that two position and had like just a, just a hair of like a slapback delay. Almost sounded like there was a, 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 a just a slight bit of phaser on there or something, right? And uh, and I'm listening to that and I'm like, God, he played cool in that particular area. It was like a thing onto itself, you know. And then I got a bug up my butt and I thought, I wonder if there's other stuff from that like era that's online. And sure as shit, that whole Japanese tour is is in pretty good like board tape quality. Uh, and it's amazing how different the songs are from night to night. And that's what I just love so much about that era of musician uh, is that they were always reaching for stuff every night. It was different. Whereas now, you know, I think that, you know, the listener expects to hear stuff exactly the way they perceived it on record. And, and people will go to such great efforts to put ancillary tracks or whatever else that they're playing along with to make sure that that listener, when they come out, is going to be like, oh, that sounded just like the record. Whereas I'm like, I don't want it to sound like the record. I want it, you know, like you're mentioning Zeppelin. How cool was it to hear how Zeppelin would take a song that Page had layered all these parts on and hear him play it? And, and nine times out of ten, I liked it better. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, like delve into the the bbc sessions album right. like you, you'd hear some of the licks that he do on the heart on heartbreaker like gone into the bar uh the prelude or something like that and it's like i remember hearing that and thinking this is brilliant i don't know what it is and then i think i've seen you know a classical guitarist playing it one day and it's like oh shit that's jimmy page well obviously it's not Bach. jimmy page is Bach. Yeah. <laughs> but in my mind i'm thinking oh so jimmy page is playing Bach in that section you know um but yeah, the, the live versions, it could be dazed and confused, you know, they'd, they'd meander it off into something, or it could be no quarter. I mean, the whole song right. remains the same uh, film. Again, I got obsessed with that. Um, but I know exactly what you mean. Like, the audience, the, I mean, the majority, they probably want to hear, you know, things to be exactly like the record. And, and in certain instances, I think that is absolutely vital, because... I mean, Safe does an iconic solo. I mean, it could be, this is an extreme example, but maybe Hotel California. You know, right. we, can, we can all hum that solo note for note. Right. Which I suppose, you know, the audience would want to hear note for note as well. But no, I, I hear you though. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, do, I do agree with like the, the live kind of setting. Maybe it doesn't, there isn't that improvisation as much, I would have thought. I could be wrong. Right. You know? Well, and, and Zeppelin's just such an excellent example. I mean, a lot of times when we're messing around here on our, our streams, you know, we'll just go into like random, like the the whole lot of love version from Nebworth, you know, where he goes into that They're whole other thing. And only the diehards know what that stuff is, but God, it was cool. Savagery. Or how about on uh, they would and it, and it would just fill me with glee every time because you, you just wanted you know after the Zep was gone and you know the firm came and I I dug it I went and saw it but it still wasn't quite the same because they were yeah. both Plant and Page were were not touching the Zeppelin catalog and their mm. solo careers you know and then as time went by when they did that unleaded thing and you're just like oh my god just to hear those guys play together and they did a version of. Um, 
of cashmere. Yeah. And and true to form, at the end, you know, Paige came up with some other riff, you know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you could yeah. always count on them because, because yeah. you know, because I think, you know, it comes from that mentality of a composition is never sedentary. It's always, you know what I mean? It's in flux. Mm. It's always being flushed out. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and that's the way it should be as far as I'm concerned. And and, and I do understand like, in your in your example is perfect of Hotel California because that's like a, 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 a composition. That solo is definitely like a composition. Yeah. Like yeah, but what's so amazing is like you know, I mean, you could say like the the solo in Sunshine of Your Love. You know, he does a Strangers in the Night kind of a yeah. thing. Uh, but by God, when he when he or, or Moon River, whatever the fuck it was playing, but uh, when he when he plays it, you know, all the different cream bootlegs, they absolutely refuse to to ever do the same solo twice, which I yeah. which I think is just awesome. Oh, of course, <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be like listening to. You know, Hendrix doing night one at this place or the second night at this place, you know. Right. I know what you mean. And you'd, you'd, you'd want to learn those solos, you know, from the, this live version or that live. Again, like the, the BBC Sessions kind of album. Um, you'd want to learn the licks from this version a whole lot of love compared to this one where they went into, you know, John Lee Hooker or, you know, whatever. Right. Exactly. But yeah, no, it's... I'll never forget the first time I heard the... Um... You know the f- the first disc from the BBC sessions, which is that concert from seventy one, right? Yeah, that that was on like um, they played that on the radio. I forgot what it was called. They used to have um, King Biscuit Flower or something, but they played it. In, um, and it wasn't announced as a BBC session; it was just a Zeppelin live thing. Yeah, but in my recording, I had it on cassette back in the day, and uh, and I remember it was always funny because you know growing up. You know, uh, it, you know, very conservative Catholic family. It's like the idea of you know devil worship and all this other <laughs> kind of stuff that that was foisted upon Zeppelin. And when they would do those versions, especially that version of of Days to Confuse, when when plants going like oh, oh, scared the shit out. Yeah, yeah. Am I going to get in trouble for listening to this? Yeah, no, I know what you mean because. Funnily enough, the same song, like I said, I, I had the VHS tape of When the Song Remains the Same. Right. And the whole Days and Confused section where, where Jimmy Page is climbing up the mountain to, towards the hermit. Right. And it, there's that, uh, obviously, you're not seeing what the uh, what they're doing on stage, but it's this very, very uh, ominous sounding music going on at a time. Yes. And Robert Plant is wailing, and my dad is coming in from work and he's thinking, what's going on here, you know? Right, <laughs> like, but, oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, but yes, glorious stuff. You know the, um, you know, and then it was like every other little thing, like another classic. I don't know if you got if you did the deep dive in this as well, but I loved the uh, Death Wish Two soundtrack. Now I never listened. I never actually explored it that much. But what was it? Is it Michael Winner? The Michael Winner film, right? That was the uh, director. I don't know if he if he directed it or not, but that was the one where you know Paige did the soundtrack. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and that's where that little cool piece of uh, him doing that Chopin, you know, uh, etude or prelude. Oh, okay. He, I'm not, which, I'm not familiar which, which he used to which he used to introduce as quaalude when you when he played it. <laughs> but uh, and he's using the B bender on there. Oh. Uh, but there's some but there's some really cool little uh acoustic and string thing but some of it's just diabolical as well as well and some of those morsels apparently were from 
that um, uh, some of the ideas he did for that Lucifer's Rising flick he did that kind of oh, okay. never actually came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember reading about it. Yeah. But yeah, Page was always one of those guys. Who was like, you know, what was so cool about Zeppelin, which I, you know, and, and it's so weird. I, I'm, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, there's a lot of people that are like more um, snooty about roots oriented music that that will, you know, poo poo the Zap. And I'm like, I'm sorry. But the power of the Zep remains. Oh, of course. But and by the same token, you'll have the fact that you know what what was different about the Zep to me than and than any of the hard rock folks that kind of came after was the fact that they were really into that root stuff. I mean, they were bona fide blues and rockabilly, and yeah. you know they were definitely into that old stuff. So that permeated everything. And when you mentioned Robert Johnson, I was I was kind of. I've, I've said this in various different things when I've discussed, you know, coming together and trying to learn some kind of solo stuff. And when you listen to Robert Johnson play, it's like the syncopation of what would be the electric blues band and then the rock and roll band. It was all there present yeah. in the way that he played. And the Zep guys were hip to that because you can hear that in what they do. It's just that they did it in their way. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I, I still love to listen to the Zep. I gotta be honest. And, um, and it's of course playing the stuff is just fun as hell, am I right? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, I mean, probably d looking at my playing, you wouldn't think it, but Jimmy Page was. I got really obsessed with guitar through. I could tell by your Instagram handle. Yes, which is yeah, which is uh, it's too late to change it, but it's, it is what it's now. But yeah, um, no, huge fan. So. So what kind of stuff are you doing? I mean, obviously you do all of these videos for Chicago Music Exchange and in that obviously takes up a lot of your time and so on and so forth. But what what's like a typical week for you in Chi-Town? So a typical week. So usually I'm in the shop uh, doing videos Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Um, it, and, you know, there'll be days where I come in on the Tuesdays and Fridays. But, um, yeah, it's, it's usually those days when I'm actually filming. Uh, and then... The days when I'm not filming, I, I like to go in anyway to, you know, sometimes to practice, like I'll just go into one of the practice rooms because it's the discipline of going in and doing it because I find sometimes at home here there's there can be too many distractions. You know, the, the television is right there. I could put on right. Netflix or, you know, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, now sometimes I get to borrow, you know, uh, a lot of the guitars that I'm doing demos for, which is right. very, very cool, and I'm very thankful to the people at Chicago Music Exchange for that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get... To, I'll be able to borrow guitars that have no right to be touching. <laughs> in, in the, you know, there's it could be a you know 15 grand vintage whatever. So that I get to bring it home, I get to practice on it in preparation for the videos. Now, obviously, right. bonus to that is I get to use them and post videos on my own Instagram channel with them, uh, which which is great. You know, people kind of enjoy seeing that. Um, I mean. Uh, a few people kind of assume that I own all these guitars. Like, right. No, I, definitely I definitely do not own, you know, a plethora of vintage instruments, you know, uh, unfortunately. But, but yeah, that's usually a typical week. Uh, so it's pretty busy. And then obviously I like to kind of prepare for the demo. I like to kind of, you know, learn songs that are appropriate for the guitar and then maybe do something that you wouldn't expect on the guitar. You know, maybe it could be an arrangement or something or, you know, something unexpected. Um but that's usually how it goes. And again, I'm very thankful that I get to do it. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, we've got a show coming up in August. I'm looking forward to that. Down yes. There in 
So what what kind of stuff are you going to do a solo thing for that? Are you going to come out and blow people's skull people's minds with a solo oh, yeah. set? Yeah, so so what I'll do I'll come play a few of my own originals and obviously a few arrangements uh, of things um just like half an hour, 40 minutes something like that. Uh and then I get to watch you blow everyone away, you know. That's that's going to be the cool thing for me. I finally get to see Well, it's going to be a tall order after watching you and <laughs> no. I no, I, I, honestly, I felt, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll do some acoustic stuff, some electric arrangements, and and then sit back and watch you tear it up. Well, then we'll have to get get you up with us and play a little bit too. That would be awesome. I would be honoured. Yes, I'll do that. I'll, I'll play rhythm. I'll play rhythm. You play lead, right? That's the deal. <laughs> well, no, we'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. We'll, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I, I do enjoy... I do enjoy playing with other guitar players and I, and I feel that, uh, you know, over the years I've, you know, I, I conduct conversations with other guitar players in a very respectful way that everyone has a good time. There's no, there's no dick measuring, you know, there's, there's none of that. And, and, and that's a lot of fun because we've all been in those situations where it's like, really, is this happening? You know what I mean? Where it's like, some guys just drop trowel, you know what I mean? And just like, <laughs> be old. I'm like, no, I don't want to be old. That's not my thing. Uh, yeah. I just say that, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It's, yeah. So it's, it's you know, there's such a uh, a perceived competitiveness uh, in guitar playing that I think is just so unnecessary. It's just, it's about fun and it's about inspiring each other. It's about the conversation. It's kind of interesting. The other day I, I saw a thing on, I saw a thing on uh, Instagram or one of them. I don't know if it was uh, TikTok or yeah. whatever it was, but it was somebody who took this thing between BB King and, and Gary Moore and BB King would say something and then Gary Moore would repeat it and go back and forth. And, and that was said the beginning of, you know, conversational guitar playing. I'm like, He's not conversing. He's mimicking. There's a difference. Yeah. A conversation means you say something and I say something back and you go back and forth. I'm not denigrating. I'm not denigrating what happened between B.B. King and Gary Moore. I'm, yeah. I'm denigrating the perception that that was the beginning of, 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 of the conversation because it should be you react to what's going on in real time. Yeah. And, and you're like, hey, you said this. Well, guess what? Hey, and it it just is you know you push each other a little bit to have a little bit of fun and it yeah. and by the time you're done you've had a great time and the audience goes along with it because that conversation takes a life of of its own and you know of course that's the same way with improvising in general you know responding in real time to what you just played you yeah. know yourself as opposed to just going oh I got to do lick forty seven B now because yeah I should yeah, probably yeah. Put that in here <laughs> yeah I mean well, I mean it's what you're saying that it should it's got to be fun and. I mean, there's times where, I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned Instagram there. There's sometimes where it's not as fun as it should be. You know, guitarists sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we can be a cruel bunch to each other. I think, yes. you know? and and there's no need for it. You know, I, I, there's someone will make a nasty comment or for no reason, and they're entitled to their opinion. But I don't know. I mean, I've never felt the need to comment someone negative on someone's video. You know, if right. I didn't, absolutely. If I, didn't, if I don't like it or wasn't a fan of it, just don't say anything. Just move along. You know, right, but I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll appreciate they've gone to the effort of doing it. I mean, to, for some people, you know, I, I've been there myself. It can take a lot of kind of confidence, building up their confidence to think, right, I'm going to 
put a video of me playing on my own in my room. I'm going to put it out there to the world. You know, I've been building myself up for this. Um, you know, I'm going to put it out there. And then, you know, someone will come along, blah, 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 blah. You never see that person again because their confidence is shut. You know? Right, 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 right. And, you know, we can be, again, it's a minority, but we can be quite cruel to each other sometimes instead of just being encouraging. And like you said, it's, it's not a race. It's not a competition, you know, um, or that competitiveness. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it can be a strange world, the whole social media thing. It's, it's great. And, it's, and there's a few, obviously, there's a flip side to it as well, you know. Well, it's just interesting. I was like, I'm wondering what they think the prize is. You know what I mean for winning? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what 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 is the prize that that everyone's so you know I I I've made this analogy uh, which probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to me. You know when you when you get you know when you play basketball, you know when you're you know I was a big fella, so I always played basketball through middle school, and I didn't play in high school, but you know being the center is always like you got to box out, box out, box out. <laughs> and so and then my daughter, you know, she played. Uh, um, club basketball for a while because you know she was six two in high school you know so uh she and there was again box out box out so uh, i always refer to people who are competitive and weird in the music industry it's like um it's a bunch of people boxing out for a rebound that's not coming in a game <laughs> that doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> there's so many levels to that, <laughs> <laughs> that brilliant but no, I, I know what you mean i mean it's there's there's a huge source of inspiration on there. You know, there's, there's people doing, it could be Tim Henson, Polyphia doing his thing. And it's like, right. that's, that's incredible. Or it could be, it could be Guy King. It could be someone like that. Right. It could right. be Andy Woods. I mean, there's, it's an endless source of inspiration. And, and now there's times where it's like, oh, wow, you know, um, I've got so much to learn still. But you've you got to think that, you know, they're doing their thing. You've got to do your thing. I, I've always been inspired by it. I mean, you'll post a video. It's like, well, I mean, you know, the, the amount of screenshots I've got on my phone of things. I've taken a screenshot and it's right, I put it into a folder on, on my phone in an album, stuff to transcribe or stuff to learn. There, I, I kid you not, I think there could literally be close to a thousand screenshots I've got in there. And it's a bit overwhelming because realistically, I'm, how am I going to go through all that, you know? Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um but it's an endless source of inspiration, though. You know, seeing all these people. It is, you know, and I, and I and it's it's been fun for me because, you know, I've always it's a it's weird what kind of catches my ear in terms of, uh, you know, I'm never really interested in in a thing it's in its entirety. It's always like one little thing, mm. like one little chord, you know, that'll yeah. go by. I'm like, wait, 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 what was that chord right there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or what was that little wiggle? You yeah. know what I mean? Or, or. And it, it's, it's the, those are the kind of things I, that catch my, and then I'll stop and go, I got, well, I got to learn that. And then yeah. immediately I'll take it. And then I, I got to make it my own. Cause I, I'm just so weird about not trying to put my own spin on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's, I think, I know I've, I've said many times, I think it's the golden age of playing the guitar. I mean, but, but that's, but that's easy for us to say because we came from when it wasn't all that easy to have access to all this stuff so so now we're like a kid in a candy store whereas i think someone who's just doing it for the first time now it's probably where do you even begin Uh, exactly and what do you do i mean there's guys i go on my i could scroll down instagram and there's a thousand of these guys breathing fire in every freaking (laughs) genre known to man or beast 
Yeah. And uh, so I would imagine that it could be, a, you know, as much as it's, as, you know, as I said, kind of the golden age for someone who's already been playing for a while. Yeah. I, I would imagine it could be quite a daunting age for anyone who's just starting out. Of course. I mean, arguably, it's, it's never been easier to learn guitar, um, you, you could say, at, at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm just saying, I mean, arguably, to that point, arguably, it's never been easier to, to pick up the guitar or an instrument at this right. point, I think, because of, you know, it could be YouTube or online lessons. But again, it, it kind of goes back to my point of being overwhelmed. There's so many distractions, you know, you'll get... It could be, oh, learn to play this. And then the next recommended video below is, oh, now do this or this one lick that you need, blah, blah, blah. So you end up going through 10, 12 videos and then you sit back at the end. You know, I haven't learned a thing because <laughs> I've right, just right, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm very guilty of that. You know, I, I'll watch a hell of a lot of videos and, you know, get distracted. Um, but it, 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 uh, yeah, golden age of kind of learning guitar, definitely. Well, I love too just being able to go. Like, you know, the other day I was like, you know, I've always done you know Albert Collins and Albert King licks just in standard tuning because I thought I'm not going to have some kind of dedicated guitar and some weird tuning with capos and whatever the case may be. And then the other day I was like, ah, fuck it, maybe I'll maybe I'll tune up to that. And, and I was like, this is totally cool, totally fun. And, I, and then I started morphing around doing weird stuff. And then last night I was like. But how I found that, my, my point to that is I, I just Googled it. What yeah. what tuning is Albert Collins in? Yeah. Well, he's in an F minor tuning with in the any capos up either at this fret or this fret. Okay. So I, I tuned it up and off to the races I went, playing along with records. Like this is this is a blast. And then I thought, well, what tuning was Albert King in? And then I was like, oh, it's just it's tuned down to C sharp. So then I tuned down and it was the sound. It was like, there it is. <laughs> and then I started doing all those things, like, oh my God. You know, when I was in, when I was in high school, and I first heard Albert King for the first time, and I thought this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. This is way before Stevie Ray came out. You know, when Stevie Ray came out, I was like, "That's who's doing those Albert King licks?" Because I was, I was so into Albert King, um, and I, I just remember listening. It's like, how do you get that sound? And when you tune down, and it's just, it's like you're, all the positions are like standard tuning, but you're in low, you're tuned down to C sharp. So the, 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 the strings are like rubber bands and, uh, but you do all those bends, but just the timbre of the guitar, because it's tuned down like that. It totally sounds like Albert King. I was like, Oh my God, if I, if I would have discovered this in high school, I don't think I ever would have learned anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd have been like, we're done. This yeah, is all yeah. I need to do forever. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about this off and on lately. Is it, is it all too easy to learn these things without improving your ear? Do you know what I mean? So you, you yourself and myself, I mean, I, I, I'm probably more, I was probably more on the edge of definitely before YouTube, that kind of thing. But in, in the sense of learning things by ear without being able to slow things down necessarily, I know you could have done it with record players, but I mean, I, I learned, you know, from CDs. And, and tape cassettes, you know, you rewind it, you pause it, you try and hum the notes, you try and, you play the CD, try and find that note, right, that's the wrong one, rewind, play again, that's the wrong one, go back, do it again, and obviously you stumble upon these notes, and all the while you're training your ear, Right. but I, I've, I have wondered, is that is that kind of a dying kind of thing, no, obviously it's not, but 
is it as prevalent as what it used to be? Well, it's interesting you should say that because I, you know, even though the technology existed when I was younger, because I knew guys that would, oh, I slowed the record down. Like, I don't yeah. even know what that, I don't even know what that means. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I'm not going to listen to something like, or I, didn't, yeah. I have no desire to do it. So to me, when I would learn stuff off of records, um, I never, I mean, there were, there were exceptions where I wanted to get it, you know, pretty close to being dead on. Mm. Uh, but I, it was about kind of speaking in the language of that person, you yeah. know what I mean? As, yeah. as opposed to, to just mimicking what they did. Mm. Um, and, and, and the thing is like, if I would learn some, I'd be learning, uh, playing, playing along with the thing. And I couldn't quite hear what they were doing because it was going by so fast. And yeah. the record was scratched to oblivion because I took horrible care of my records. Yeah, it's like, yeah. they all sounded like scrambled eggs, you know? Um, or egg, eggs frying, <laughs> but I didn't care. Cause I heard through all that. It's like my rec, my buddies would come over like, how can you even listen to that? I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to me, it didn't bother me. Uh, but my point is I'd, I'd learned something. It wouldn't be quite what they did, but I, sometimes I'd like what I came up with better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or I was like, well, I, that's different, but I kind of like, yeah, this is good. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that now it's, it's, um, you know, people have the ability to have it just exact. Yeah. And and they just regurgitate it. I mean, you know, especially on TikTok, it seems to be more of a TikTok thing where you just get these these people in front of the thing, you know, uh playing stuff like, oh, here's another person playing Sultan's a swing or playing, you know, a a Hendrix thing or Stevie Ray Vaughan or whoever the case may be. And don't get me wrong, it's great that they took the time and effort to learn how to play it. And some of them got, you know, the inflections down pretty, pretty goddamn good and so on and so forth. Um, but it's just kind of weird. It's like, yeah, I, I remember to, to give you an example, I kind of got in trouble with this, this local guy, even though I didn't mean it as a disrespectful thing, but, mm. um, there was a band, the guy was, the guy's probably, I don't know, maybe 15 years older than I am. But when I was in high school, like my favorite bands, which was unusual. Cause I was, I was born in 66. So most of the people that were my age, uh, were actually, I was the youngest of seven. Most of the people that I went to school with were the oldest in their family. So they were, you know, you know, real Gen Xers. Yeah. So they, they grew up kind of discovering music on their own. So, you know, it may have started with kiss, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they, and then they're into, you know, if you were really into a musician's musician, you were into like rush, but yeah. mostly it was like people were either into punk or they were into the metal that was around at the time, or it was like either Depeche Mode or, you know, this kind of stuff. And I, and I was like, those are all shit. I'm into <laughs> Hendrix. I'm into Zeppelin. Yeah. I'm into freaking Cream and ZZ Top and the Allman Brothers Band. And of course, all the blues guys that came before that. So um, my band in high school played. You know, we do Blues Breakers songs, we do Cream, we do Hendrix, we do ZZ Top, we do a couple Beatles tunes, we did some Stones tunes, we do a Muddy Waters tune, we do a Hollow Wolf thing. Anyways, and there was a band out at the time um, that was really big in the clubs because they were older than I, and I'd go out and see them and they played all of that stuff. I was like, I got to go see this band. Yeah. And I went and saw the band and they did all of those tunes, but he did the solos off the record. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's, that's cool, but that's not what that music's about. You know what I mean? And then I had mentioned that to somebody off. And then as I started to get better known in the area, all of a sudden it was, became like a controversial take, a hot take from Drade <laughs> that I said that, oh, that's bullshit. I didn't, I, like, I, I didn't say it was bullshit. I'm just saying the whole spirit of that music was improvising. 
And to do it note for note is kind of missing the point. And that's what kind of makes me think of that when I see these people regurgitating these solos. It's like, yeah, it's cool that you can do that, but it's about creativity and about pushing the thing down the field a little bit. I mean, even if it's just, you know, playing in the style of and doing your own thing, that to me is, is more valid than just kind of regurgitating what was. Not that any of it is bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it, it can be a sense of accomplishment, you know, yes. um, and, and we, like finally learned something and now I want to share it, which, you know, I've, I've, I've done it. Um, no, we've all done it. Absolutely. We've, we've all done it, you know. I mean, there's there's a Guthrie Govan thing that I'm, I've been toying with on and off. I mean, obviously, I can't play it like him because I'm not a Guthrie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know whether to host it or not because one, you know, someone's going to moan or, you know, it's not quite Guthrie. Which, well, yes, I know that, obviously. Right. Um, but I, and I'm, you know, not at that level to be improvising around it, you know. Um, I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. But again, I mean, again, this whole social media thing, it's just, just do what you want. Do what makes exactly. you happy. Do what makes you happy, you know. Exactly. And, you know, I respect anyone, anyone and everyone for posting a video on there. Again, it can take a lot of confidence. Uh, people building up confidence to put a video of themselves on the internet around the world. Um, so, I mean, I'll always say, look, just do it. Just have fun. Absolutely. You know, you know? Um, we, 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 we do it. We, we enjoy it. We love it, you know. We do. I mean, I, I, I like, you know, waking up in the morning and I'll, and I'll just, do a quick thing and record it, post it and be on my merry way. And yeah. it's to me, I mean, to your point about, you know, I don't I'm sure you're the same way, obviously with the way you're describing the, the Guthrie Govan thing, which I'm sure you slay. No. Uh, but it's like, we are so hypercritical of ourselves that if we can find it within ourselves to be able to post 60 seconds of us playing by ourselves that doesn't make us want to hide in a corner. That's a good exercise. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's, that's why I do it. And plus it also, it also, um, for me anyways, it, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't just don't take it all that seriously because it's, it is, is about fun and it is about what happens in the moment. I mean, I remember years ago, you know, you'd get off stage and go, man, that thing sucked or this wasn't this and da 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 And I, I don't know how long it was ago, but I just said, I, I don't even consider that anymore. It's like, I yeah. consider what happened, on, what happens is done. It was meant to happen. That's the way that all the, you know, the vibes lined up, if you will. Yeah. And that's the way it was meant to be. And, and I consider that a lot of times with those videos as well. It's like, hey, that that was meant to happen then. You know, and it is what it is. And, yeah. and you know, if, if some jamoke wants to, you know, <laughs> see that video and say, oh, well, he isn't all that great. He, I saw this one thing. It's like, dude, if you're going to take that video as yeah. your justification for thinking you got one over on me, you go. You live. <laughs> live it up. You know what I mean? So oh, exactly. uh, it's it's just it's amazing. And, and I do have to say, I, 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 I never... I never respond uh, to trolls, but occasionally I do. And and my thing is, don't feed the trolls, don't do it. But uh, just every now and again, if something, I, and I'll just respond very, very short and without emotion. You know what I mean? Just like, well, it, this was actually the case. You know what I mean? I won't, I won't take it. You know, like call him a jamoke, like I just did. But um, 
you know, it's just it's just interesting how people, you know, and again, to another to your other point of just the vast majority of people are freaking awesome, yeah. you know, and they're they're so nice and so appreciative and say such nice things. But, you know, let's be honest, as as art uh, artists, you know, one bad comment to us is worth like 10,000 great comments. How screwed up is that? You know what I, mean? it's, it, I, I say this to some of the people at the shop all the time. It's such a shame to think that way, isn't it? And right. I, I think most of us are guilty. Like there could be a thousand, there could be 999 positive comments, really you know, amazing comments that lift you up. Right. Then there'll be one person who'll say, you know, something, something, you know, it sucked or, or that was, you know, whatever. It's like that. Ple- that's etched in your head for the rest of the day, and it's like, why, why, why would you? Uh, you know, you speak to yourself. Why are you letting that one comment affect you? Like, right. You're not gonna, at the end of the day. You're never going to please everyone. You know that already. And why would you let that affect you? You know. And then, that, like you said, the, 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 usually the best thing to do is just ignore it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Easy said than done. I mean, we've all been there. It is. Well, I, you know, I've, I've always heard the old, you know, adage, you know, in being a, being a non consumer of, uh, of, uh, a variety of intoxicants. I gave up many years ago. There are all kinds of sayings in the recovery community. And one of them is, um, other people's business are none of my business. No, no, other people's opinions of me are none of my business. And, and and so what I like to say is that, well, if you give credence to, you, you can't give credence to the negative just as you can't really give credence to the positive. You know what I mean? Not that, not that you're, you're not appreciative of positive comments. Of course you are, but you can't be like, oh, get inflated by that and then get deflated by this. It's just, it's an awareness, uh, you know what I mean? And not yeah. to be emotionally attached to one, one way or the other. And that's yeah. hard because we're human. <laughs> yeah well exactly you know i mean it's also to go back on your point about you know just posting something and just being okay with it you know it's that can be hard for a lot of people myself included you know it's uh, there's been days where it would take me three four hours to post a 60 second clip can you believe that uh-huh. it's, it's and and you think why on earth are you going to all these hours all this effort of obviously you want to be you know show be the best that you can be yeah. Um, but then you think the stress that it induces on yourself, other people around you, it's like, this is crazy, man. Just just be at peace with, you know, it doesn't have to be 100% perfect. You know? Right. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I, and I, again, this is it's very hypocritical of me to say that because I still tr- strive for it. But I've always thought of if you aim for perfection and sure, you know, just a little bit short of it, the level is going to be very, very good. Right. You know? Just be okay with it. It's fine, you know. Um, but yeah, again, a little bit hypocritical of me saying that uh, from what I do here at, here at home. Um, but you just got to relax. Just again, it's like you said earlier. It's about having fun. There's times where posting a video hasn't been fun or playing. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm rambling. What am I doing? Uh, <laughs> well, it's an interesting thing to me because I, you know, as far as like the hypercritical thing, I'm like, I'm always listening to something back and like, I might listen to something and I'll be like, oh, it's good enough and I'll post it. Mm. And then a little bit later in the day, I'll be like, well, what did I post? And, I, oh, I posted it. and I'll hear it back and it'll sound weird to me. And I'll always be like, I'm super critical of, of time. You know what I mean? Well, that part was pushed. That part's this. Yeah. Uh, uh, into the, ah, fuck it. You know what I mean? And, and, and away I'll go. But it's, um, 
uh, I had a point to this. I was I was going someplace good, Nathaniel. My brain, my brain went afoul. Uh, but I guess it's just that 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 being hypercritical about that stuff is. Um, oh, I know where I was going to go with it. Is that I listened to a lot of these records in retrospect that I really loved. You know what I mean? Uh, that to me were like epitomized, like the most perfect shit ever. You know what I mean? And now I'll listen back to that stuff and realize that, well, there were flubs in there. You know what I mean? Exactly. There were flubs all over the place. Yeah. And then they just said, no, it's the overall feel of what's going on there. And the and the the the, the goodness so far overshadows what and, and the vast majority of people don't even know those are flubs. Exactly. I mean, if if it's good enough for your heroes, like like you said, you you're listening back, you know, years later as a a seasoned pro in your right, case, right. listening back and you think, oh yeah, there's, there's technically there's a little flub there, there's a little mistake. But right. you know, you know, I noticed it as well. It's like, hang on, it's, if it's good enough for you know the people I looked up to, it's good enough for me to make a mistake as well. You know, it's at the end of the day, who cares? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Totally. It's, and and there's a beauty to that, like you said. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle-infested conversation. To give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristletone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. I like the filth. I like the, that's the biggest overriding thing for me. Is like it's I, I just like greasy stuff. That's just the way it is. You know, I like to hear the filth. I mean, you could you could say about John Lee Hooker. You know, little things. It could be the guitar slightly out of tune. It could be right. you know adding an extra bar that you know the rest of the band wasn't expecting, and you can hear them recover. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like that, and it's like it wouldn't be the same without it. You know, you. you you love that. Um, or it could be, you know, someone not necessarily hitting a bend at this point, but it's okay. Right. You know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a feel to it. There's musicality to it. And it's their own personal kind of print, you know, albeit through a mistake, but it's there and, you know, you leave it there. Exactly. That's why when I, when I've been recording lately with the band the last several records, I mean, there are, there are tunes that I'll, I'll go back and I'll, uh, either redo a solo part or I just track it where I don't do the solo at the time that we're tracking it because the band doesn't know the full arrangement. And mm. so I have to kind of have a mic on and go, you know, bridge, you know, you know, this part. And so I'll just worry about locking into a rhythm part for them to play along with. But for the vast majority of stuff, I like to do the leads live because then I I can't, it's like it happened. It The energy was there. There's a little flub here, a little flub there. Yeah, leave it. You know what I mean. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and again, if it's if it's and not, and not to be hypocritical, if it's something that really bugs the shit out of me, we might we might try to fix it a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean. Yeah. But if the fix is takes away the vibe, I'll take I'll take I'll I'll just keep it the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then what's weird about that too is that you'll you'll hear it again a, a little while later. And go, well, what what's wrong with that? It's almost like when you. In the moment, you you have a tendency to so hyper focus on things, and then when you listen to it in retrospect, a lot of times I have to listen to things by accident in order to think, "Oh, that sounds all right." You know, yeah. it's like oh, you're walking I, in a room. Oh, what's that? 
Oh, that's me. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know what you mean. Like, I remember. I remember recently we were doing a, at, at the shop. We were doing a um, Racer X. So I'm doing a mm-hmm. crazy Paul Gilbert thing, and I'm, obviously I've learned it. And then it's one of those typical things. You can play it perfectly, you know, off camera, and then the red button goes. Obviously, it goes to shit. Um, but I remember. I think we played it like three times, and it was like I wasn't happy with any of it. And then you're saying, oh, man, we got to do it again. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And then you don't believe them, you know? Right, you right, right. That, you think that they're just saying, no, no, it's fine, it's, it's, it's okay, it was great, blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, oh, shit, I'm going to get murdered here. Um, but then you hear it, you listen back to it, and it's like, it's fine. You right. Know? It's fine. Absolutely. You know, sometimes we can be too critical of ourselves or too expectant, you know? Absolutely. Well, we're humans, and we care. That's we the care. problem. Which is a good thing. I think it is a good thing. Of course it, you know, yeah. it's, I've always considered, you know, you know, in the grand scheme of things, as far as, you know, the arc of a career, you know, I'm, I'm 55 now, the double nickel. And, uh, <laughs> and I've been able to make a living as a guitar player for, you know, how many, 30 some odd years or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> and, um, and continue to do so. And it's, it's not easy, you know, but at the same token, you know, I love everything I get to do. I love um, always tweaking and refining what I'm doing. Um, and what I realized is, is that, you know, and people have said over the years, well, you know, maybe if you'd have done this and, you know, maybe if you'd concentrate more on this style and maybe if you'd done it, I'm like, look, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I make a pretty good living doing what I'm doing, but not that it's all about the money, but it is a little bit. I said, but I get to pretty much play whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. say whatever I want, yeah. as long as I don't get too far afield, right? Uh, yeah. And and my my point is is that I think that there's a lot of people that you know the results of their musicality in terms of you know fame or you know riches or so on and so forth. And again, not that there's anything wrong with who's ever approached, but for me, I've been able. I, I just realized about myself that I just love playing and I love yeah. creating, yeah. and and the fact that I've been able to be, find myself in situations where I'm able to keep that quest going and not compromise it while also being able to make money for other people, you know, whether it be, you know, doing clinics or videos or mm. you know, instructional material, as well as doing band stuff. And, you know, it all works at several, you know, there's a million different spigots you got to have on in order to make the living. Uh, but it's never been about, okay, well, it's good enough. It's, you know what I mean? I'm not going to do anything more. This is yeah. what I do. And, you know, and I'm just going to milk that particular thing for as much as it's worth. Um, It's always about, well, how could it be a little bit better? How could it be a little different? How could it morph into something? You know what I mean? It's like always working. And and that's the one thing that I'm, it just never gets boring. I mean, from the time, and as long as I just very grateful, my hands work, you know, I don't have any carpal tunnel stuff. My hearing's pretty good. You know what I mean? My mental faculties are as so I can remember stuff. So you know, as long as that, as long as I possibly can, I'm always going to be learning and, and having fun and, and doing that stuff. And, and, uh, and I'm sure you're the same way. And it just makes it so that, you know, you're, um, you know, and it's, you look around people around you. I mean, most people do jobs they don't want to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they may make a tremendous amount of money and they spend the money on various different things to make them happy when they're not working. But it's like, we get to have fun doing what we love to do. And that never is going to go away. Exactly. I mean, the guitar is 
in our case, the guitar is, it's always there for us, you know? Yes. It's, it's our greatest friend. It's our best friend. There's times where, you know, you don't want to look at it because you know, you're not friends with it today because you woke up and it's like, I can't play today. I don't know what's going wrong. I'm having a bad day. I can't seem to remember how to play this or, you know, my licks are whatever. And then there's other days where you cannot put it down because you're just absolutely loving what you're doing and what this thing can make you feel and the noises that can come out of it. You know, it's always there for you. It'll always be there for you. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's a great feeling. And then, again, very lucky to be able to be making a limit off it. Um, you know, it's, 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 I'll never take that for granted, and I'm sure you don't as well. But, I mean, we, we worked for it as well, you know, we, we, because we fell in love with this, this box with strings on it, you know, yes. and what it can do. We, we fell in love with it, and we're, we're still badly in love with it, you know, and we're still learning. I mean, like you said earlier, but you, you'll take little snippets, so you're still learning every day. I'm still learning. We, we'll never stop learning. You know, right. Um, which is a great thing. It's a, absolutely fantastic. I even heard uh, Chet Atkins say, you know, he, he tries to learn something new. You know, even when he was real old, you know, yeah, uh, he would try to learn something new at least every week or every day or whatever it was. But I mean, that is an awesome thing because again, it's um, it just never gets old. Oh, no, no. I mean, do you, do you um, do you still kind of practice an awful lot like things? I mean, not necessarily practice plan or anything like. But do you? I mean, is your practice what? What does it look like? Kind of detail. <clears throat> well, I, I just pretty much play. So yeah, yeah. I wake up in the morning and I might have listened to something overnight that mm. inspired something. Um, and so then I, it might be a tune I'm working on. It might be revisiting an old tune. It may be someone else's thing I heard that I'm like, I should really, I really want to kind of work on that tune. I've never really figured that tune out. So it, it's kind of a, it fluctuates between, uh, writing new stuff, coming up with, uh, a, maybe a new lick that I've heard brushing up on some, you know, every now and again, I'll, I'll run my intervals or, yeah. you know, do all my different seventh chords on the different string sets or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll be like, Oh, I can, I can use this one. If I, that, that's, that's yeah. actually a ninth chord and those things. So I'll, I'll do, it's a little bit of technical stuff, a little bit of soloing, a little bit of repertoire, both my own and other folks. And, and um and that's it just it fluctuates it's, it's yeah. definitely not it's definitely not disciplined other than the fact that i play all the time you know what i mean yeah and every day yeah. i mean there's yeah. there's nary a day that goes by that uh it's it's a very unusual day for me not to play oh yeah i mean at, at this point now we've obviously doing the demo work a lot of it is actually learning songs uh for me which there's nothing wrong with that because you, you'll learn songs you don't know and it's nice to learn I've always thought it's, it's cool to learn or, or kind of hone in on your technique via a song, you know, through a song. Right. You know, if if I want to focus and learn some, you know, brush up my alternate picking, it could be a Paul Gilbert thing, Andy Wood, John Petrucci, something like that. And right. the bonus side of that is, oh, well, I've, I'm learning another song that I can add to my repertoire, you know? Right, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning more towards that these days. Like if it's a country kind of thing, it might be a Brent Mason thing. You know, right. or you know, trying to emulate Tom Bromley, you know, with with the B bend or something like that. Um, I, I've always found this it's very useful to do it through songs. But again, I, I've, I was toying with the idea lately of you know having it structured time wise, and I've never done that, and I'm not sure why I'd, I'd, I actually want to try it. But I'm just intrigued by it. Do you know, it's, which yeah, yeah. is a strange thing. 
because you, you hear people say, oh, you know, I practice for eight hours a day. And it's like, I mean, credit to you because right. I couldn't do it. You know? I think the only time I did any kind of like structured thing was when I was in college. Yeah. I was studying, I would like, I'd make myself do all the kind of meat and potato stuff I really didn't want to do for like an hour. Yeah. You know, I'd get the metronome out and do whatever. I and once that hour would go by, then I would I'd do whatever I wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm toying with the idea of first thing in the morning, look at a jazz standard. Now, I, for me personally... I, I really struggle with jazz standards, like because they they just don't. Some of them I some of them I love. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. Sometimes they they bore the life out of me. I, I'm I'm with you one thousand percent. And it's like part of me is like, why do you want to do it? Well, it's well, you know, you might have to do a a, a demo on a you know a Barney Kessel guitar or something like that, right? Or, or whatever. So play something appropriate. 100%. But then then once you kind of get into it, it could be all the things you are. And it's like, uh, okay, well, play, play the harmonious triads or, you know, play it up here. Do it as a voice leading exercise. Okay, just do arpeggios and all of them. And then you think, that sounds good. And then you think, well, hang on, that's probably way more technical than it needs to be. Right. So it, it is, there's so many things that we can do. And it's, again, being overwhelmed. But right. I, I had this idea of, you know, maybe doing that for 45 minutes, 15-minute break. Next 45 minutes, do um, – it could be gypsy jazz kind of thing. Um, right. You know, 45 minutes, 15-minute break. Right, next, uh, some 2-5-1 licks. Just do do those for – you know, maybe just take three licks that, you know, you've seen uh, Oscar Peterson do or, you know, Borelli Legren or something like that. Just do them doing different keys. And I mean there is there's a lot of value to that. But again, sometimes it's, it's, it can be too easy to get overwhelmed, you know, too much. No doubt. Yeah. So needless to say, I'm not sure I'll uh well, I don't know, I might try it like you know, like a few hours a day like that. I'd like the idea of doing that. Well the thing is that the even in doing it and discovering you don't want to do it, just whatever time, any time that's spent on the guitar, any new little perspective always bears fruit in some way, shape, or form. Of course. You're right. You're right. It always comes home to roost. <laughs> well, listen, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure rapping with you. It's been great to catch up. It's, it's been my honor. I've been, it's a pleasure speaking to you, and hopefully I'll get to see you soon again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for sure, we're going to oh, we're gonna rock out in August down yeah, at Martyrs yeah. in Chicago, folks. Check that out. That's August uh, 18th. 19th, 18th, right? 18th, I think, yeah, yes. 18th. August 18th, folks, if you should hear this and you live in the Chicagoland area, we'll be down at Martyrs. Mm -hmm. And Nathaniel will join us, and it's going to be good, clean fun. And a little dirty, if we would be so cold. (laughs) All right, my friend, great to see you. Thanks so much for doing this, and we'll hope to see you soon. Thanks so much, Craig. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to Chewing the Gristle. We certainly do appreciate it on behalf of Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and our friends at Fishman Transducers. We say, don't be a stranger now. Keep on coming back. We're going to keep on giving her.